Well, my name is Will, and I'm the pastor, so if we didn't get a chance to meet, I hope we can connect before you leave. Um, we are typically here at our church, we're going through a book of the Bible. It kind of keeps us honest, and we, we have to deal with everything, you know, that is, that is written. Um, but right now, we're in between books, and so what we've done is uh, put out a request box a couple months back, and the people in the congregation submitted items, topics that they would love to see addressed, kind of in between the books, if you will. And so that's what we're, we're talking about. Uh, last week, uh, in response to one of those requests, we had, uh, yeah, it's not working, we had talked about self-control. And like I said, that's a, that's a difficult one. Um, it's quite a challenge. And I, I, think there was some, I think the Lord was really speaking through that. But what I found was once we dug in, the waters got deeper and deeper and deeper. And so why not stop and give another Sunday to go deeper with this? So I've rewrote this sermon about five times this week. It might rewrite right now. So, you know, if you don't like this, maybe you would have liked one of the other five that I wrote. So we'll see how, how that will go. Um, let me pray before we get into that, and we'll just move forward. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's made it here today. Lord, I know that there's so much going on. I mean, there is a pandemic, and just all over the place, the people working in nursery, preschool, uh, the worship team, members of the congregation, even our favorite restaurants and stuff, sometimes there's just a close sign on there because people are getting sick and they're having to isolate, Lord. And I know that this doesn't take you by surprise. And so we don't want to respond in fear because as your people, we don't fear death, uh, but we can be frustrated and we can be feel fear. And so, Lord, I pray that you would comfort us in the midst of that. And that you would come and heal our land. But ultimately, Lord, I pray that you would heal the hearts of men and women and turn our eyes to you, Lord. That, that you would continue in your process of saving us by transforming us and changing us. So I know that that takes a lot of time and a lot of uh, practice and failure and success and tears and laughter and sleep and feasting, and and everything, Lord. So we're we're thankful that you've given us a building and a group of people where we can try to do some of that together. Guide us today. Teach us. Speak to us. Heal our brothers and sisters. Heal our land. I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, um, so yeah, if you got your kids in here today, I promise you, they're going to be more distracting to you than me. So don't be worried. Don't be offended. We are a church family. Sometimes... I know this is, like a, this is like a really unpopular thought, but sometimes I hate having to separate the family, you know, because it's like we get too spoiled, but I understand as a parent of a small child, it, it can be distracting. So I'm glad if any of the young men and women are in here with us today. If they get real loud, I might just use them in the sermon, so it'll, it'll be good. It'll be fun. Um, so self-control, we talked about that. Self-control. So where, where we were going with this is Galatians 5, Right? What do we call this section of Galatians 5? What's the term? I'll give you the hint. The first word is fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. So here's the problem I run into when I'm trying to understand this, when I'm trying to teach this. And maybe it's not just me, but it's you. So often, right, we, we want these things. What it says here in Galatians 5, beginning with verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And then it's a list of, of a few things we want, And then one last thing we don't want any part of. So like love, we love that. Yeah, love. I want to be more loving. I want to receive more love. Joy, yes. Who here is like, I hate joy? You keep joy. I like being miserable. that's, That's not what happens most of our life. Peace. No, I love turmoil. I don't want, yes, you want peace. Patience. I don't know, maybe. Some days, right? Um, Kindness, yes. You want to receive that. You want to give that. Goodness, faithfulness. Those are rewardable things. Gentleness. And then the last one we don't all like so much, self-control. So we had to choose the worst one of them all, right, to really talk about. Inevitably, as we dug into those waters, it turned out it wasn't a lake. It was an ocean. And the ocean told us this. Based on this scripture, all of those things, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, never starts with you. 
And so that's a really cruel thing that we do to ourselves. And how you treat yourselves, you treat others, right? Say that. How I treat myself, I treat others. Okay, ready? How I treat myself, I treat others. So it's like, Will, be more loving. Anyone told themselves that? Oh, Will, you got to be more patient. Oh, Will, you got to be more kind. And then inevitably what happens is it's like, Brandy, you need to be more kind. You need to be more loving because I do that to myself. I do that to the people closest to me. If what Galatians says is true, that never started with me. All the kindness, all the love that comes out of me is only what's been given to me by God himself through the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Right? So that becomes difficult because at some point in time, you've got to choose your actions. However, at the same time, these are derived from the Holy Spirit. How confusing and hard is that? So at the end, kind of the conclusion of last week, I would say, is this. It's, it's odd because in a moment, each one of us has this freedom of choice. It's like Elliot said, you're not a slave. Because of what Jesus did, now you have this free will in the moment to act in a self-controlled matter or in an out-of-control matter. Right? Does that make sense? Now, the power to walk in that yes or to move forward with that no is beyond your own ability. Right? That's where the Holy Spirit's like, yes, you chose my way, now let's do this. Is that really, you got it figured out now? Can we just go home? Yeah. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And I think there's something wrong with me. You guys might have to fire me soon because every time I get into one of these topics, Josh, I'm just like digging until like trying to get to China and I end up finding like the ocean is what happens. And it's like, how do I bring you the ocean in 45 minutes? And somehow we explore all of it. You just can't. So I'm going to give you like a little more than you can drink today and then we'll take another gulp next week, okay? Um, The less known part of this, Galatians 5, if we read on, I think it's interesting to note, verse 24 says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Why do you bring that up, Will? I'm glad that you asked, okay? In order for me to have the fruit of the Spirit manifest itself in my life. For you to watch me, to live around me and say, wow, Will has a patience that, or a peace, or a love, or a joy in his life that comes out of him. If you see that in me, what you're seeing is God in me. And so what the author of Galatians is writing to early Christians is, understand those who belong to Jesus Christ, if you want that list, you don't go say, I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to be more kind. What you do is you say, I want everything that's not God out of my life and out of my heart. I want to walk in the Spirit. So it says those who belong to Christ, we're we're constantly nailing our passions and our desires and our sinful nature to the cross to be crucified there. And that in itself, guys, is just... It's hard for me to articulate in this small amount of time how huge that is. But let me put it to you like this. Because of Christ, we were born, we were born and reborn into a family of God. To be free, sons and daughters of God, and so we have the freedom to choose. But not but we're not going to be made to do this, to constantly be saying all the sinful desires and stuff of my nature. I'm going to have to give, put on the cross and crucify. I'm going to have to get forgiveness and covering for all the ways in which I'm falling short. And then I'll truly live. And then verse 25 says, since we are living by the Spirit. So that's what living by the Spirit is. Every time the flesh is popping up, man, it's like whack-a-mole. No, no, 
No, right? No, you're not going to have me. No, defiantly. No. And then instead you say, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now I'm saying too many words. Let me pause a moment here. Take a drink. Yes, Josh, good idea. Um, Ultimately, something of the Christian life we've lost along the way is the idea that we should actually be living like the give and take, the constant communication with God through the Holy Spirit. Like, what should I do? How should I handle that? We get so removed from that, we simply forget the obvious thing. Did you even ask God? Did you pray about it? Did you, did you look to what was already happened, what's been recorded in the scripture to see if there's an answer to your problem, a direction for you? Because if you want to walk in the spirit, that's what you should do. Once again, another sermon, are you always going to get an immediate answer that's super clear? Maybe not. But has that become your standard practice for living? So let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another, right? It's that contrast. If I'm following what what the Spirit is leading me to do, I'm not going to become conceited. I'm not going to be provoking one another. And I'm not going to be jealous of the people around me. And that's walking in the Spirit, Like walking in the spirit somewhere along the way got this uh, mystical sense to it. So like three quarters of the Christian world is like, we don't talk about that. It's weird. That's not weird. What it is is like I'm putting aside constantly these issues, these desires inside of me and trusting God to meet those and getting his direction and everything. That's walking by the spirit. And so when I'm doing that, if you watch me walk this out, what you're going to say is, Dang, that guy's got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, right? The fruits of the Spirit. But instead, here's what we do. We have a way of acting that's Christian. We adopt a Christian worldview, right? We go to a Christian school. We dress like a Christian. So let me present this to you. This is the truth. What happens when, when what's going on inside a person comes out into the light? What's that? You see the real... Are you seeing this happen in the world around you? Did you see it happen a decade ago in the world around you? Okay, if you're older than 10. What about 20 years ago, if you're older than that, or or 30 years ago, or 40 years ago, 50 years? Okay, I'm losing some people. 60 years ago. Will you see it 10 years from now, assuming Jesus didn't come back and set things right by then? Yeah. Have you seen this in you? So what what I want to do with this is just continue a conversation that we've started in a way. It's going to take us a long time, guys. I I don't know. We'll see how long I live, how long God has me do this. But it's going to just take that constant reminder, 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 encourage, 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 convict, 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 empower, empower, trip and fall on our face, pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, keep going for a lifetime of following Jesus. And this is a building they gave us where we can try to do this together. And then we can go out from here and be into little communities that we're involved in and do this. But what's going to happen is what happens when what's inside comes out? Destruction, right? Every time I'm going through a sermon in the study, the end of it is always this. It's all a heart problem. Oh, well, you know what? They're abortion. They're killing babies. Yes. Why? A heart problem. 
Sexual sin, they're doing heart problem. Anger, heart problem. Fear, heart problem. You're not serving in the church, heart problem. You're not serving your community, heart problem. They're not being a good husband, heart problem. Every time it falls into the ocean, it's like every stream running back into the ocean of what's going inside of us, you can only keep at bay so long. Galatians, same book, chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 for your notes. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Who's like a farmer and gets this? What's that mean? What's that mean? Okay, so whatever you put into the ground is what's going to come out of it. You're going to put onions in, you're not going to get tomatoes unless you compost, then you never know what kind of junk is going to end up in there, right? Like how did, right, gophers, yeah. Yeah, like there's a watermelon, what in the world, where did this watermelon come from? But, but ultimately, you didn't know it, but you did sow the watermelon too, right, with the soil. So what you, what's going on in is what's going to come out. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, it's so quick to read that, but, but think about the implications. If the investment I'm making in my life is to feed the flesh or the things of this world, if I do it right and good, what's the best case scenario? Temporarily good things in the world will show up for me, right? But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. It's like Paul said, I don't have the scripture um, reference, maybe someone else will have it, but he says, you know, there is some benefit to exercising the body, right? But at the best, at best, you're going to get old. Like I always jokingly say, it happens overnight when you sleep one time. It's like the impending boomer cloud that's taking over. That's what I like to call it. The, it. It sucks you in. Like all us Gen Xers now are starting to merge with the baby boomers, and we all hate technology and apps at stores. You start to call them applications, and you don't know how to figure out your TV and your cell phone. And the older you get, it's like the boomer cloud, right? Even though you're not a boomer now, you are part of them, right? And so it's, it's what happens. You get old all of a sudden. You're not, you're not in. You're not cool. You say things wrong. Like you say... You know, you're, you're saying, it's like, well, that's radical, or that's awesome. And the kid's are like, I don't know. <laughs> like a 90s kid who's like, want to bet? And now the kid's even, it's even shorter now. It's like, bet? <laughs> bet, right, right? Am I right? We used to say, want to bet? That's what we'd say. But now, boomer cloud, that's what we say. But you guys are like, bet? It just changes. So even if you sow into this life and into this flesh, eventually eventually it's going to wither. Its plant life is much lower. But I don't be deceived. God's not mocked. He, you can't pretend. You can't go do Saturday night and then come to church and lie a bunch of crap in front of everyone. God's not fooled. Chances are the people aren't even fooled long term. So let's get real about what you're planting and what you're sowing. Jesus himself, if you think this guy who wrote Galatians had something weird to eat and wrote something wrong one night, let's talk about what Jesus said himself. Luke 43 through 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. So you think about that, right? It's like, I want the fruit of the Spirit, but I'm not investing in my Spirit. I want the fruit of the Spirit, but I'm not investing in the Spirit, you're fooling yourself and making yourself crazy. And somewhere along the way, we were almost taught that that was okay. It was compartmentalized to the point where it was like, I'm going to seek everything of desire in the world and totally forego desire with the Lord and then want the fruit of the life with the Lord at the same time. How come my rose bushes, Orion, aren't giving me gala apples? What's up with this? Right? That's how we're living. We're, we're driving ourselves insane. Jesus goes on to say, verse 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. 
For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Anyone else been caught in this? Like all of a sudden something comes out of your mouth like, oh, geez, right? Heart problem. Oh, even easier for you. Have you ever seen someone else do this? Because it's easier to point the finger, right? Okay, there's a heart problem for you. But you got a heart problem, brother. You got a heart problem, sister. Out of the good treasure of our heart produces good. So everything, man, you want to be a good dad, a good mom, get your heart healed. You want to be a good husband, a good wife, it's going to have to come from the heart. You want to be a good employee, you've got to come from the heart. You can't will it alone. Churches, right? We've sent people with broken hearts and we've called evangelism the program. And they've gone into the world and they've hurt people. Evangelism is great. But the whole point of this was for you to tell a story, a testimony of what God did to transform your life and how he saved you. And now we've put it into a five-minute PowerPoint presentation that has nothing to do with your heart. So they get to know you, and your words say one thing, that I'm an apple tree, right? And then your actions are like, no, I'm just an ornamental. There's no fruit. So let me try my hand at my own metaphor here. Okay, check it out. You guys ready to get all metaphorical, man? So God is the gardener of the tree of my heart. And from that tree grows the fruit of my life. Well, the author of Proverbs kind of beat me to that, but Proverbs 4.23, it says, Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. How does that mean? Tell me. Actually, help me out here. Tell me. I want to know. What's it mean? Yeah. Whatever's in your heart is what you put into the world. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Show me. So I'm going to try to summarize. If I'm way off, like, well, no, let's, let's read it. Okay. So what she's saying is that, you know, in the Christian life, you have to reflect, right? She's saying even like Psalms 51, you, you begin to ask God, you know, search me and know me and show me what's going on. Like, where, where's the places in my heart that you're working? And, and that could be a dangerous thing. Sometimes as soon as you pray, you're like, oh, dang, now he's really going to show me? And this is going to get difficult. And then you use the beautiful word that shows up in our house a lot. It's like, and then you're diligent to spend that time with him to work on it. And I think that's beautiful because you know what? As the pastor, maybe the most beautiful thing I can do is treat myself with that kind of grace and and patience that I'm a work in process so that I can treat you guys the same way. And that way you can treat yourself that same way. And then that way all the people closest to you, you'll treat them that way. Do you see how that becomes like a domino effect. See, because you have to watch over your heart. I mean, this is a lifelong process. And so, like you're saying, it, it, it is difficult and almost dangerous to ask that, but so important because you can't help but admit that what's inside comes out. And see, the problem, guys, is this. Let me see if I can communicate this across, right? I grew up in the church, right? And thank you, God, for the traditions. But what I saw in a lot of lives of people who were older than me was, was what, I, what I would use now, like lost hope or heart, right? Like brokenheartedness. What happened is we began to get a list of sins that we could manage, we thought. And then what happened is we lost all the joy and the passion and the, and that God actually put in us. And so you end up becoming like that really sour, upset 65 to 80-year-old. That's really not nice to be around. 
but everything is like, amen, God bless you, right? But then they kind of kick dirt on you when they walk by. You guys met those people? I did not want to become that. And I think that's why we've, we've learned it wrong because we haven't said that like some of these things like jealousy and envy and fear and anger and hatred and all, all those really subtle things because we're so worried about drugs, alcohol, you know, cussing, sexual sin, all those ones that have this, you know, we'll hate on abortion and same-sex marriage, but we could care less about gossip. But the problem is in the Bible, all those things create death. Every one of them. And so in our lives, we've, we've been able to eliminate those sins. Right? And some of them just sort of, you're like, you know, some of those sins, I think, as you, as you get over that, like, I'm already at that point. I'm not thinking about, like, building empires with my life. I'm over that now. Maybe when you were 20, you were. But sometimes when you're after, like, 60, you're like, I'd like to have as much money for as little work as possible now. I don't want to build an empire anymore. So that, that can kind of... That can kind of work itself out. Um, But more than that, now, no matter where you're at, God wants to work in your life. So I don't want to lose you in that process. But I think it has to, we have to come back to that centrality of what's going on in the center part of us. And you might not like the heart word, the inner man, the center of you, from the center of you, from the core of who you really are is where all this stuff comes from. See, so if the fruit of my life is not what I desire for it to be, Or not, I made some notes here, that way I can make sure I cover them and then you can refer back, okay? If it's not what I desire it to be, or not what God designed it to be, there's a problem with the tree. What's the tree in that metaphor? It's the the center of you, the inner part of you, your heart. If you're not having joy... And like I even shared with you a few weeks ago, man, sometimes I feel that's a struggle, right, to hold on to joy for me. Will, you got a heart problem. So then back to what you're saying, reflect with God. Oh, man, I need to access the joy that you have for me. See, you don't simply just choose to have love or joy or peace or patience or kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, asterisk right here. Some people are just gentle. They're kind of gentle on the outside, right? On on the inside, they make themselves pay for it. And if that's you, you don't need any Holy Spirit to seem to be gentle. Some of you are just like, hug everyone and almost make them feel uncomfortable. That's me, I do that. Um, that loving thing doesn't seem to be a problem for you, but at a core level in your heart, you're not as loving as it might seem. You're not as gentle as it might seem. You might be self-disciplined. Like, man, you, you fold your clothes as soon as you take, they don't even hit the floor, you fold them, man. Like, everything's in its place. You're self-controlled. You're organized. You're counting every M&M. You don't eat seven at a time. You eat one. I mean, you are self-controlled on the outside. But to really be that at the core of you, where you're not either going to hide it and it's going to blow up, or you're not killing yourself inside to be that, that could only happen through the Holy Spirit. Two out there? Okay. If you're like me and you don't quite get it all yet, good. Because that's what we're just going to, as we go through these, we're going to go through a gospel sometime soon and just ask, what did Jesus do and did he want us to do the same thing? What did Jesus teach and what's he want us to know about it? And this is going to be extremely important. Right? So short term, I might feel like I can manifest those things. Like, wow, Chris, you're sure being loving lately, man. You know? Way to go. Way to do it, man. You can just seem to be gentle by having a slower, higher pitched voice. But what happens is, those spirit feelings, they can hang out until circumstance kicks you in the teeth. Oh, and it will. Any testimonies? Do circumstances kick you in the teeth or use another body part that makes it really uncomfortable? Will it happen again? Yeah. Yeah. 
the world not our friend? Yeah. So ultimately, the healthier your heart, meaning the more you are following the guidance of the Holy Spirit and, and being filled by him, the more the fruit of living in the Spirit will be present in your life. Does that make sense? Okay, is the horse dead yet that I'm beating on that one maybe a little bit? Okay. Now, okay, now what happens, though? Here's the problem about it. If you want to have a healthy heart, yeah, you're exhorting me, Will, to get my heart healthy, to have these times of reflection. But sometimes I'm telling you what? Sometimes that doesn't seem to be enough because we can get intellectual with it. And the problem with the intellectual part of you is it's a tremendous bully to the feelings in the heart of you. Because you are an emotional being. And those things can be really deceptive, but they're also very powerful. So what happens when you lose heart? When you get brokenhearted? When you get discouraged? When you get hopeless? Anyone experience that other than me? Over here, anyone? You guys know what it, if I say lose heart, can you feel that? Do you know what that feels like? I remember feeling that, or maybe you're there right now. What about you guys? Kind of that, oh. I've lost heart. I've felt it. I know exactly what you're talking about, Will. What about over here? Yeah. I mean, some of you are there right now. What's the Sunday school answer? Read your Bible, pray. Read your Bible, pray. Yeah, it's all going to be better. Here's what happens. When you're in that place, you become very vulnerable prey to an enemy in sin that's just crouching at the door. I mean, it it wants to devour you. It wants to bring death. It, It wants to create chaos. And it does. I mean, some of the worst things we do we don't do that in a strength position. Not most of us. Not most of the time. It's reactionary to being in a really toxic place inside. Well, that's all like, you know, touchy-feely, Will. Let's just talk about creationism. Okay. You've got to get out of your head, and you can't ignore that part of you because there is a mind in your heart. You see, your heart, the center of you, has thoughts and reason and all that and intellect. So you can't throw all that out, but you can't set aside the importance of, of the inner life. It's why Jesus said to, to people like, come all who are burdened and heavy laden, right? And I'll give you rest. Like, take on my yoke, right? Do the work with me. I'm going to strap myself to you because, right? The burden will be light for you because I'm here with you. I mean, he wouldn't say those types of things if he was in the church now where we're like, suck it up and do better, sunshine. That's not how Jesus came. It says that, that God is near the brokenhearted, right? He's coming. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself, he quoted a prophecy from Isaiah 61. And it says this, and, and this is in Luke 4, 418, it records Jesus. He gets up, right? Everyone's like, who is this dude? Uh, and then he opens the scroll to Isaiah, and then he basically announces his ministry. And out of all the things that he could announce, he read this, in part: "The spirit of the Lord of uh, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me." Okay, the spirit of God's on him. So that's a little like, wait a second, who is this dude, right? Because the Lord has anointed me, He's called him, He's positioned, him, He's empowered him to bring good news to the poor. He's not like, suck it up, and when you're not poor in spirit, then meet me down by the lake. We'll have a good time. No, he's like, I'm coming to you where you're at, in your worst place. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives. We're not slaves, just what you did this morning. And the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. Yes. Why did you underline broke bind? So I was praying about this. Like I said, I've read this in the Bible. I've read so many books about it. And it hit me in a new way. Here's an asterisk. I am in no way a doctor, okay? No matter how much I could pretend. So whatever I'm telling you medically should be taken with a grain of salt. 
But here's what I understand in my non-medical mind. Um, when you read this, because we're so unkind to the core of us, we end up saying this. Well, yeah, Jesus has just come, even the way that it was translated in some versions, they've almost, they've taken out this binding process. And what it is, is we just think, oh, he's come to heal me. Right? Jesus, I just came to heal me. So I'm like, yes, do it right now. Do it, do it, do it. Bet, bet, come on, all right. Heal me now. And then you're like, you even go to church and you sing a really cool song and you're like, I think it happened. And then you're still brokenhearted. But that's not what he said. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. What, what does that mean? Why do you bind something? What's that? Keep it from falling apart. So what about medically? Why do you bind something together? What do you think? To mend it? Give it time to heal? Yeah. Yeah. To create a barrier so that nothing else can come into that in an effect. Yeah. Well, so I, here's what I think is extremely powerful. And this is probably the core of what I want to tell you in spite of that. Sort of finish up this section, but not finish it up, if you will. Because we're just going to have to keep coming back to the heart of the matter. Because every time we go down one of these trails, that's where we end up. Who would like to be embarrassed and come up and help me with something? Hey, Sutter, you want to come help me? Okay, your hair's looking good, so you're good, man. Come on up. Okay. Everybody, Sutter, Sutter, everybody. Okay. So let's just assume, right? Let's assume any part of his body. Now, from what I understand, this is old science, but what would they used to do? Let's say he broke his ribs. What would they do in the past? Right? They would actually bind him up, right? Like this. Now, why would they do that? They would have a whole lot more. Put pressure on it, right? But ultimately, what are they trying to do? They're trying to do a couple things. They're trying to put everything in its right place. And keep it there so the healing process could happen, right? So let's say, right, if it was his shoulder, then they would, they would do something along these lines. Like they'd want to keep it in place so they would, they would tie that over his neck, right? Now, I want you to realize this. Just because I did this, his shoulder would not be healed. Do you get that? Right? And assuming we weren't worried about pneumonia and we would bind up his ribs... We were trying to keep that immobilized. Now, let's say, let's say he broke his pinky. What would they do? They would actually bind it to that ring finger, right? And then probably like over part of his arm too to keep it all in place. And I've seen this happen where you're like, oh, what happened? Did your whole arm fall off? No, they just want to keep it in place. They're binding it in place because they don't want him moving as he shouldn't and they want to keep it in line. Okay? Thank you, Sutter. You're a great model. Now, oh, Will, what does that matter about anything? Well, here is the awesome news, okay? Here's something worth getting excited about. I'm still messed up, and so are you. But what Jesus is doing is he's simply trying to bind us so we can heal, and it's going to take time. So like all the stuff that happened to you, all the things that are causing you right now to lose heart, they might still come at you. As a matter of fact, they probably will. And actually, when you leave today, you're not going to say, oh, I heard a sermon, and now I'm just healed and better. I mean, for the love of God, please don't don't say that that couldn't happen, okay? Because, yeah, maybe God's going to bring supernatural healing to you. But ultimately, what he is saying is, I'm coming to bind you, all the broken parts, especially your heart. And I just pictured it like this when I was praying about it, like the image I got at night was like, non-scientific, but like the shape of a heart, right? So, Callan, do your heart shape for me, bro. Now let's assume it broke, right? 
So what happens is it's broke. Something's got in here. Circumstances got in here and it's broken your heart. And this is the reality of so many of us. Our sin gives strongholds into our life, right? People's sin hurt us, break our heart. People die when you didn't expect it. They, they, their inner life comes out and it hurts you and it disappoints you. And people get sick and you get old. And no, there's no such money that makes enough money. There's no so much sex that's enough sex. There's never enough power, never enough comfort. It's either too hot in here today or too cold, right? You aren't going to be fully satisfied. There's a breaking of your heart. And so what Jesus is saying, I've come in a practical way. I'm going to bind that baby up. And I don't know, maybe, like, maybe there's one more person here that needed to hear that other than me. What if, what if my heart isn't all healed yet? It's okay. So what's actionable about that? Well, what do we do? Well, here's what, here's what else God was really putting on my heart and on my mind. So in Proverbs 4.23, right, it says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for, for from it flow the springs of life. And then it gives you further instruction. What he's saying is like, let Jesus bind up your heart. Let him come. Let him put it back in its right place. But it's going to take some time to heal. And guess who can really screw it up? You. So this is what it goes on to say, the author of this proverb. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and a devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right, right? Or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Okay, well, well I, don't, I don't get it. Let's stop a second here. All those things, all those evidences of the flesh, all the sin, what it is is it's getting in, like you said, it's getting into that broken part of you and it's keeping it from healing. It's like being a bad patient, right? I've heard from a few people about bad patients at their house getting sick, right? I'm not, not a very good patient. I don't sit still. The Lord has bound my heart so that it could heal, but it's going to take time. But I won't wait. I'm kicking and I'm screaming and I'm lunging and I'm, and I'm going for all these things. So ultimately what it is, is it feels like legalism that says, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, don't do, do this, right? It feels like legalism. It feels like rules. All it is, is the doctor's instructions when you go home from the hospital. Jesus has come into your life. He has bound your heart and it's going to take six to eight weeks for that baby to heal. And so you better not lift anything over 10 pounds, right? No running a marathon, right? No ice hockey for you. No push-ups, right? So that's what this is. So just take that. Try that on. Try that on. Oh, well, I really want more love. I really want more self-control. Let's, let's actually get the list back. Okay. Like, ah, oh, I really want to, I want more love. Anyone want more love? What about joy? Joy. What about peace? That's good stuff. I want that. What if you did this, this week? What if you did this? Begin this experiment, okay? Understand this, the offer of Jesus is that he knows your heart was going to break. He knew you were going to lose heart. And that's when I go across a room, or if we go online, most of you are going to say, I know what that feels like. Maybe I'm not there right now that I'm aware of, but I think if we searched ourselves, we would find there's these parts of us that, that are that way. And what Christ came to say is, I'm not going to make that go away in a second because there's a lot of work, right? It's like, I can only imagine the stuff God's doing with coronavirus. So I don't care who's doing what or whatever's. Fact is, God is using this baby. And that's why it's not gone yet. Okay? God is using 
the fact that you've lost heart, that you've broken heart, to come to your rescue. And what he's done is he's taken your broken heart and he's bound it. And that's, that's your story. And that's my story. So here's what homework, if you will. Okay? For the next things that we're going to talk about. And for everyone around you that loves you, please do this. Understand, he's, this, is, this is available to everyone who received Jesus as their Savior, right? So this is what's happened to me and has happened to you. Imagine, if you will, right? Use your imagination. Imagine if I quit fighting it, Randy. If I just let the healing come. And I let it take the time it's due. I'm thinking of posture and position. And I think if it was me, because I'm just like, oh, what do, what do we need to do? Right? What if I just sat there and I said, you know, I am the broken hearted. I have, in some ways, lost heart. What if I sat there and I just, I realized the truth that the Lord has my heart and he has bound it. And he's bringing healing. And my simple responsibility is not to let anything in the way of that healing. I can kind of picture it. And you know what happens? It's like a deep breath. It's like he's doing the work. I could freak out, right? Oh, man, my broken heart is because my relationship with this person. I better go fix it. Maybe, but just breathe. He's bound your heart. Well, there's disappointment for where my life is going. Just breathe. But I'm sick. Just, just, just breathe. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm worried about the world. Just, just breathe. Let the healing come. I mean, could, if, if you use your imagination, you can feel it. I mean, I can feel it. And feelings can be deceiving, but they can also be a great indicator. And I'm thinking about that. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, Dante, why, why don't I, like, get angry and just light off the handle? Because that's going to hurt this, man. Oh, dang. Okay, Jesus, let's do this again. Right? Uh, you know, I get, I get angry, distracted, so I start gossiping because I don't want to be the worst thing in the room, so i got to tear you down. Uh, right? No, let's not do that. Like, okay, sexual sin, uh, don't do that. Drugs, alcohol, everything I'm doing, what I'm doing is I'm actually re-breaking my heart when Jesus has bound it. And he's like, stop lifting everything. Stop kicking and screaming. Let me do my healing work. And instead, I'm doing things like taking what, what's, I mean, vitamin D, right? It's good for your bones or whatever. So you're like, you're just, you're taking in what's good for that. You're taking in you're going to things that are filling your heart. You're around people who are encouraging you, and the healing is coming, and it might take 70 years, right? And it might take seven minutes, but just give it its due. So there you go. That's what I want to present to you on the end of that. I want self-control. Okay. Then sit and let God heal your heart, and what will happen is you'll have self-control. Here's a secret of fat people, okay? Fat people, we eat our feelings. You're happy. Yeah, eat. Sad. Eat. Oh, you feel fat. Well, what's the point? Eat more. You're rejected. Oh, eat more. Right? That's why you do it. If you're like, I'm getting healed, all of a sudden you don't lunge out. If you just feel the presence of God, if you know he's working, it's like, it's itching. I think it's healing, right? You know that. You don't do desperate, stupid things. You rest in the Lord. And so in a new year where it's like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, it's like, no, the Lord is going to do. So there, that's what I want to tell you. I'm going to have the worship bros come on up, and they're going to play some songs. And this is just going to be an ongoing part of our journey, guys. And if you think I'm crazy, I'm glad you came and tried it one week, okay? That's cool. But maybe if you got my kind of sickness, you can be excited like I am that we're talking about the real heart of the matter. And it sucks because I can't put it in a box and a pretty bow for you. And it has to be unfinished and poorly done every week. But focus on that. We're going to see Amazing Grace, right? So Amazing Grace. What's, what's, ama- what's so amazing about his grace? Elliot, what do you think? 
It never fails and it never runs out. It never fails and it never runs out. And it doesn't blow up. And it doesn't blow up. And it's free. So we're simple-minded, right, in a lot of ways. I don't care how smart you think you are. Multitasking is a lie. It's just being bad at many things. So focus on this one simple thing. Know it. Ask, pray that the Lord will show you if you don't feel it and see it. That the Lord has come to bind up your broken heart. And it sets you free because you know he's got it. And so we can rest in that. We can rest in his love, his healing presence, and we're not going to let anything get in the way of the healing. So we'll sing. It's going to be amazing grace, right? We're going to sing all pretty. And then the lights will come down because it seems to help for some reason. And then what we're going to do is we're going to just focus on that. We're going to spend time with the Lord and reflect and ask him to show you, and he will. If you're like, who is this Jesus dude? And you're crazy, Will, but I kind of like it. Come see me. I'll talk to you about him, okay? Because I want this for you. That's why, that's why Jesus didn't end the world yet. Do you know that? That's why he didn't come back yet. That's why the Father didn't send him back. So that everyone would be saved. That includes you. And if you're not, do it. Do it. Bet, right? Do it. Do it. Like, you want this, man. We'll talk about it, okay? So come see me if that's not you. If that is you, sit in that reality that God is healing the broken parts of your heart. And so with that, you could face anything because you know that he has it and he has you. Let's pray. Ah, Jesus, your amazing grace and your amazing power and how, how rebellious we are. Like, we're no different than the Israelites. You part an ocean one day for us, and the next day we're like, I want some steak. One day you do a miraculous thing for us, and the next day is like, okay, what's next? We are such a rebellious and unfaithful people, and yet you're still holding our heart. You've bound it up, and you're healing it. Thank you for the truth that not all the healing takes, happens instantaneously, that some of it takes time. And so, Jesus, my prayer is, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would well up in, inside all the believers and where you live, Lord. And for those that you don't, that you would just surround them with your loving presence and that you would draw them into you. You've come, Jesus, to bind up the brokenhearted. And that's all of us. You've come to proclaim liberty to the captives. And everyone who sends, it says is captive to that sin. So, Jesus, just come do the work that you do. Speak to our hearts. Bring your healing. Help us to guard our hearts from everything that would come in and infect, everything that would come in and refracture, everything that would come in and divide, that we would choose not to go left or right, but to follow you, I pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you.